And it's something that is so simple, right? Because how many times have we been like, mm, I'm just going to let him feel this a little bit more. I'm going to apologize, but I'm going to give him an attitude for just a little bit more. Um, yeah. That is really good. Hi, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Best Friends with Benefits. My name is Kristen. And I am Noni, and I'm so excited for today's benefit. We've done a lot of episodes around being single, but then we've never done an episode on relationships. If you are in a relationship, which we both are right now, um, if you are in a relationship, how to maintain a healthy one. And I'm so excited for this guest today. Kristen, tell them who we got. Yes, we have Rose on today. She's a relationship coach and she's going to tell us a little bit about her journey too, because I met her like 15 years ago in the acting world. She used to be a director. So we're just so honored and grateful to have Rose on the show today. Welcome, Rose. Yay. What's up, ladies? <laughs> so good to be here. You look Thank beautiful. You. Thank so you. Beautiful. Thank you so much. It's so good to see you. Wow. I can't believe it has been so many years. And I know it has been because my daughter is almost 10 and I wasn't even pregnant when I met you. So, yeah. Yeah. That is so wild. And I'm sure yeah. people listening, they'd love to know how you got on this journey from, you know, directing commercials and now you're helping people in the realm of relationships. How did that transition yeah. come about? Awesome. Thank you. So I was thinking about this earlier and it, it's sort of like that story of like the kid that grows up whose best friend has some like rare disease. And so they grow up to be like a famous doctor. It's like they put all their heart and soul in it. And like my deal is like my relationships were diseased like my whole life, like from my first boyfriend, like at 14 for like 30 more years, practically, it was like my relationships were sick and suffering. And so I basically became an expert in what I most needed. And that's, you know, that's my story. And it was like, I had this calling, you know, to be in the entertainment business, which I started when I was 20, and how we know each other. And um, I followed that for a long time, until this got so big in me, because I had been through so much, and I had learned so much and basically, like gotten, I'm, you know, almost gotten a master's degree on my own. And then I just, um, I just came in full time. And I just took the leap of faith, you know, I left an executive development position at the head of a production company selling to dozens of networks across the world. And I just knew that that this is what I needed to do. And the last thing I'll say about it is one of the shows, the last five years in the, in the entertainment business, I worked in true crime. And I specifically worked on a show about women who killed their husbands. And I have to... I. Hello. So I need to thank Hello. that show for getting me out of that the relationship I was in with my daughter's father. Cause I was like, I really identify with these women right now. <laughs> <laughs> but what oh, I saw over oh, and over again was that these women had been suffering since they were children with relationships and that their grown relationships were mirroring what they had experienced as children. And I knew that if someone had been there to intervene with them, long time before 
they wouldn't have gotten to that point where they got violent and then ended up in prison, some of them for the rest of their lives by the time I spoke to them. So, you know, I felt I really did feel this this desire to get in there and help people before it was too late, basically. Yeah, that is so interesting. (laughs) And what I really see, we interviewed Tracy McMillan in our earlier Mm -hmm. episode. You guys check that out. Um, And usually when you think of an expert, you almost assume it's somebody that right out the bat, they knew exactly what to do in relationships and they always have, you know, the bet, they make the best decisions in it. But what she basically said the same thing, like every relationship, she learned so much because she made the hard mistakes and she was not good at it. And that kind of made her an expert, which I find so, so fascinating. Um, You can, Mm -hmm. you can turn your downfalls into learnings and make a career out of it, which I think is really inspirational. Yes, 100%. And and I really do believe that we are all wounded healers, uh, those mm-hmm. of us in the helping profession, and and most of us. Uh, and and the the challenge is not that we are wounded, not just were, but are. The challenge is when we don't see it, and when we try to act like everything is fine and we never make mistakes, and we, we got this. I always say, like, once you think you got it, that's when you lost it. <laughs> Basically, that's the moment you lost it, <laughs> as soon as you think you got it. So I try to stay really humble, really grounded, really teachable, and, you know, I bring that to my clients, and I use my own experiences to help them when appropriate, and so that they don't feel so alone, You know, they don't, because we all go through this. We all go through relationship problems. Even the best relationships and happiest, most secure couples go through challenges and they need help. You know, every relationship needs help. You know, we grow up, we do all this school. We learn all these subjects. No one learned like anything. We don't learn shit about relationships except from Mm -hmm. the media which is like basically the opposite of how you want to show up in healthy relationship. It's like everything we see on every movie, which is like girl chases unavailable guy and then unavailable guy finally becomes available for her because she's pretty enough and, and, and smart enough and thin enough and, and cool enough. And so now he falls in love with her and then she pushes him away or she realizes that she wants to be with him and, you know, so that's not, so it true. is not safe and secure as far as relationships. Oh my God. Well, oh my God. There's so much to say, like unpacking what you just said. I just want to say one thing, what you just said about learning relationships from, you know, the media. I just remember watching Sex in the City and being like, oh, I want that passion. Meanwhile, Carrie and Big's relationship was the most toxic you could ever have in your whole life. But you like, you look up to those relationships and you're like, I want that. I want to like have a person say, you complete me. That's like the most unhealthy thing you could say. So uh, that's just amazing. So I love that. Mm-hmm. And I love, you know, just being in the inquiry of that, like where we're really looking to advice or getting help from, um, you know, thank God we have people like you that can coach relationships to to have secure relationships to have healthy relationships so and on on that note i would love to talk about you know what kills relationships and you said earlier before we pressed record um i would love for you to share what you said and share some of the relationship killers thank you yeah so i think that what came out was 
it's it's so easy to destroy relationships and so challenging to keep them good basically it's like all you have to do to destroy a relationship is just go to sleep you know it's like the most easy thing to do is just basically become uh like lose presence become mindless not uh not pay attention anymore uh because the thing is that what really hurts relationships is when the friendship dies that you know we forget that when we meet someone and we fall in love with them it's because we're building this friendship that includes like safety and security and you know all these things for instance you two are best friends right so what makes you guys best friends what what do you feel with each other that that makes you know you're best friends oh my goodness <laughs> Um, I'm going to say for me, and I didn't think it was going to turn into a best friend's love fest. I would say for me, anything good, bad happens. She's who I want to go to because she will always give me that. Ah, and I can lean on her for that. But then also, you know, just the way that we laugh, you know, that real from the gut, like you're a crying laugh. Um, it's something we joke around that we're going to be, you know, silver haired and tracksuit still laughing like that when we're old. And it's like, we fantasize about growing old together. <laughs> like a couple yeah. the laughter, the playfulness, that's secure relating. And also that she's the first person you want to go to. And in, in a couple that's working, they're the first person you want to go to. Mm. And when they're not anymore, when in fact they're like kind of way down on the list, that is a real big sign of a relationship killer. Ooh, this is so good. I just, I'm yeah. obsessed with it. I, can we talk for like five hours? This Wait, is I so want to hear why Kristen. I want to hear mine. Okay. Yeah. So okay, for okay. me, for me, it's really, it's like, I remember I was in therapy at one time and the therapist was like, what is your best relationship? Like, what is your healthiest relationship? I was like, my best friend, Stephanie. <laughs> I, there was no man, anything. Like, I just knew that when I would find my partner, it would be that kind of safe. Like, I feel so safe with her. Like, I can screw up in front of her. I can ask her the most deepest, darkest secret questions. I feel it's like that safety like she said, anything good, bad, ugly, I can go to her and I don't feel like I will be judged. Um, I just feel safe and loved and nurtured no matter what's going on in my life. Like I know that I could she have my back. And that's one of the things that and now that I have a partner like that's I feel like he's her in male form, honestly. <laughs> like <laughs> they kind of look alike. Um, it's just like, um, <laughs> no, but it's just that it's like she's my healthiest relationship that I've had. Even like an you know family relationship, she's like my family. Yes. So it's like yes, that. you you. She feels like home to you. Yeah. And we're sort of talking about healthy and secure relationships and. And also what isn't when you don't have it. So like when you have a relationship that's really working, that's really safe and, and all the things you guys just shared about, it's like that person is your true north. They are like your, your, your GPS, your emotional GPS, basically. And when you don't, when your partner is not like that, it, it really, not that they are not like that, when your bond is not like that, because people are different with different people, right? 
So your partner, it may be that that your relationship with them is what is driving them to do the things that they're doing, and they may be totally different with someone else. So it's it's the way you two are connecting that is creating the issue, you know, and th- that it's always two people, you know, if if it's leaking on one side, it's leaking on the other, basically. It's never the case of just one person. And even sometimes with my individual clients, when I think it is, eventually I'm able to see that it isn't, you know. So, you know, other things are obviously like resentment, resentment building up in a relationship is a huge killer. Um, when there's a lot of fear, when there's anger, when you feel like you can't go to your partner to see things because you're going to be judged. Whenever there's any kind of like uh, secretive behavior or betrayal, that's a huge relationship killer if it's not handled properly. And that could be like anything that doesn't prioritize the relationship or prioritize your partner. It doesn't have to just be an affair. It could be technology. It could be porn. It could be uh, watching TV. It could be workaholism. It could be shopping. It could be anything where you're keeping that secret from your partner and you're getting, um, you're, you're doing it on your own. It's something that's breaking apart the relationship. So, you know, those are some of the, the biggest relationship killers. I guess what I'll say though, and this is sort of like my message is that unhealed childhood wounds like or really unexamined childhood wounds are the biggest relationship killer out there. Because if you're really looking at what's happening for you, like if you've gone through all the tough stuff of choosing a partner and you vetted them and you, you know, you chose them and you took your time and they checked a bunch of boxes for you and you started a life and you got married and you had kids and you did all this stuff, or maybe you didn't have kids, whatever, maybe you didn't choose to get married, but you've been together for a while. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh no, not, I don't, I don't want this one. It's like, well, what's really going on? And it's usually that it has something to do with your past. It doesn't have to do with what's really happening with your partner. It's something that you haven't healed that's being ignited. Whoa. Ooh, this is so Ooh, good. This is so good. I'm chill. You guys have a pen and paper. Yo, you better be reaching out to Rose. Exactly. Jeez, so please. you said it, it takes a lot of work to keep and save a relationship. Tell us a little bit about what those relationship saver or saving habits are. Okay. So basically we talked about how the friendship piece. So how, what do you do to save a relationship? Well, you have to get the friendship back, right? So this means that we need to focus on the friendship. We need to focus on trust. We need to focus on safety. We need to focus on security. We need to focus on sort of adoration, if you will. Like you guys, you, you said it like, oh, I didn't know this was going to be a, what did you say? Like a BF or best love fest. <laughs> like a love fest. So that's what you need to save your relationship. You need to get that love fest back together. Mm. And, you know, sometimes couples never have done this. Like, how do you get to know, how do you love someone is when you know them deeply. Like we talked about that GPS, but it's like, you have to know your partner so intimately. You have to become like an expert on your partner. Like if, mm. if they, if they were a map 
you literally could just find where you were going without having to like check the key. Like, you know, like, you know, okay, so my partner gets nervous in crowds and we're going to this uh, charity event tonight and you know, they don't feel comfortable in a tux. And so the way I'm going to handle that is, okay, honey, let's make a plan. We'll leave as soon as you're uncomfortable. Let's stick together. You know, I want to introduce you to my friends. I mean, this is how you save your relationship versus what a lot of us do is we're annoyed that our partner doesn't like uh, the same kind of, you know, bougie events we do. <laughs> and so we're, we say things like, God, why do you always have to be this way? And that kind of criticism is like the death knell for a relationship, you know, like really. And then, and then the, the, usually the guy, but let's just say it could be either is like, fine, whatever. I don't want to talk about it. And that's the stonewalling you know, the, the, like, I, I'm not, I'm not engaged anymore. So there's sort of this dissolution of the bond, you know, so, so really becoming an expert on your partner is so key to save the relationship and then like loving them how they feel loved. And this is, um, uh, Gary Chapman, uh, the love languages, the five love languages, if you guys have, mm -hmm. have read that book and your viewers know about it. And, you know, the, the thing that it, he talks about five love languages, there's lots of love languages, but, you know, he really talks about how we need to learn to love our partners the way they feel loved, not the way we feel loved. So it's like, I have clients and they say, but I do all this stuff for my, I'm just thinking in the, of this case, you know, I do all this stuff for my husband. I like, you know, I, I take care of them and I make them lunch and I, and it's like, yeah, but he doesn't feel loved that way. He feels loved when you notice and appreciate something he's done. When you take that time to say, wow, honey, thank you so much for folding my shirts. Wow. I know you took time out of your day to do that. That's how he feels loves, not because you paid all the bills and dropped the children off and picked them up and he doesn't feel it that way. So, oh you know, yeah. This so good. This is so, so good. And I remember in an earlier episode we were explaining, you know, healthy relationships. And I was saying it's, it's really about, number one, it's compromise, but it's... Mm do you love this person enough to let X, Y, Z go? Like, I love going out to see live music. I love bands. Even if it's a bad band, I have such a good time. My husband is a musician's musician and he, like, that's torture to him. I'm not going to give him a hard time because he doesn't want to go out to see a certain band. I'll just go with Kristen or my, or my other friend if that's something that I want to do. But it's really choosing, like, what is that compromise? So that you're yeah. both happy in it and not blaming or judging the other person or why do you have to be this way? It's really getting into their world and into their space. And I love what you said about loving them the way that they feel love. Mm. I think that's really, really good. And yeah. you know, to, to, to your point, um, you know, it, you, you, what you're showing is how the fact that you have a healthy life outside the relationship as well, how much it feeds the relationship. Mm -hmm. and the other issue that people do is they get into a relationship and then they lose themselves. 
And then when their partner doesn't want to do every last little thing they want to do, they flip out because they feel abandoned. Oh my God. This is so, and Kristen, you know this because that's why your man loves you because you give him space. And I think a lot of the times we look for our partner to be everything for us. Your partner yes. doesn't have to be everything for you. There's stuff that mm -hmm. I get from my mom or from Kristen that fills whatever the space is that he just doesn't want to do. And I think that's just such a healthier way to be. It gives everybody space so that they can just be themselves in their own individuality. And yeah. not, there's no blame or resentment there because you're, you have other places to go for this. Yeah. I love that. And the one thing I heard that I just want to point out, which I think is so huge is like, when you say you love the person the way they want to feel loved. I mean, just, this is one example. Like I actually hate taking out the garbage, like hate it, hate it, doing it. I hate it all the time. And, you know, Danny has done it like every time and and I didn't even say I hate taking out the garbage, but every time he does it, I just so fawn all over him. I'm like, thank you for taking out the garbage. Oh my God, that makes me feel so amazing when you take out the garbage. I don't even have to ask him now because he just wants to make me happy. Like he knows that that, like he just did it before. And it was just like, wow, like he's, it's like a positive reinforcement. It's like, if you're yes. acknowledging a behavior that they're doing and, and just thanking them, like genuinely, yeah. like, wow, I so appreciate when you take out the garbage. It means so much to me. He like does it every time because he yeah. wants to feel that acknowledgement. Appreciation so, really is great. so important in relationships. I mean, appreciation and attention are key. And, you know, it's so interesting because we get, so caught up on like interests and shared interests and doing things together and photos. And we don't pay attention to how we help regulate our partner's nervous system. Like that is way more important than the events that we do together. So like, for instance, you knowing, let's say your husband doesn't want to go out to live music you know, or maybe something that actually upsets him, if you could think of something that actually upsets him, right? And you being able to sit with him and know what he needs in that situation. Okay, let's say, okay, for instance, a visit to the in-laws. Maybe for your partner, a visit to the in-laws is pretty stressful. And so being able to know what they need in the visit with the in-laws is what's most important and being able to calm them down as opposed to what a lot of us do, which is like, why is this such a big deal for you? Can't you just chill out? Mm. That's what happens. That's where we get to. So we talk about secure relationships, right? Like security is really, really huge to both sides. If you're in a secure relationship, what do you think that looks like Rose? Yeah. So, the thing is, is like, what, what is a secure relationship at all? And usually we, we don't know what that is because most of us didn't grow up with a secure relationship. Like in order to build and to be present in a secure relationship as an adult, you have to either grow up in one 
and they say the statistic is 50% due, but I do not believe that having worked with people for many years and myself, most people do not grow up in secure relationships, at least in some way, even if there isn't a big T trauma, there's a little T trauma, you know, because secure childhoods mean that you have attuned caregivers, that they're present for you, that they, they, we talked about regulating, that they, your parents become like master regulators and they regulate your nervous system as a child, which means they always are on top of how you're feeling and, and giving you what you need in that moment. And of course, when you get older, sometimes that's boundaries. I'm not saying we just give kids whatever they want, but little babies and young children cannot regulate themselves. They cannot self-soothe. Like we are like in the kangaroo pouch for like the first two years as humans. We, do, we are not developed. Like horses are born and basically run that day. We are like the opposite. So if we don't have that as children, we end up creating like coping mechanisms to deal with our emotions. And some of that are attachment behaviors. And that can mean that we step back from relationships and we are more avoidant. We're not so connected to our, our emotions or we, we feel the need for relationships all the time that we can't let go. We're more anxious, right? And, uh, or sometimes we're a little bit of both and we bring a lot of fear, which is a third category and, and not as big. So what do we do, right? So we have to learn to grow towards secure relating. And some of it is this, it's like psychoeducation, right? Like, well, what is a secure relationship? Cause I've never seen one. I have never been in one until I you know, got into this work. So if I was going to describe it and, you know, it, I just want to say too, it's not like we never experience secure moments, even in the most challenging relationships, there are secure times. So this would be like when you flow easily in and out of the relationship, there's like a natural rhythm. You have your alone time, like you talked about, or your time with others, you have your connection time, and there isn't a lot of stress going back and forth. It's not like you never spend time with me, I'm not getting enough from you, or I need more of you, or I need my time, you need to back off. It's like you really flow easily. You have a real desire to understand each other. Like it's not just, wow, I need to learn about my partner because if not, she's going to be mad at me. It's like you really have that deep, deep desire to get to know each other. You empathize with each other. You look at each other lovingly. You know, you have like your eye gaze is really deep and connected. You put the relationship first. You're consistent. You maintain contact. These are the types of things that really create a secure relationship. And I have one that I got a little bit nailed on Instagram for, I think last week or the week before, which is like, I also believe in kind of going to bed together and getting up together, you know, having like nighttime and morning rituals together. So a lot of times secure relationships will involve some kind of making sure that you are connected at these various times of like, going to bed, changing into that, that form, and then waking up. I'm obsessed with you, Rose. <laughs> I'm like obsessed with this. This is so, so huge. And I can't wait for everyone to hear this. This is so important for everyone to learn. Um, what are some, and, and just to like shift gears now, 
what are some of the like toxic traits? Like we hear a lot about like the toxic traits and the toxic masculine and this and that. What mm -hmm. can you speak a little bit about like the toxic traits or anything like that? Yeah. So it's funny. One of the most toxic traits is actually the opposite of one of the most secure traits, which I didn't mention, which is learning to make and receive repairs or a sort of apologies or amends. This is like one of the most important things that secure couples do is that Like we're over here both on mute. Like, whoa, why? Ah, oh my god, this is so. Tell so me mute. if it's too if it's too much, because I, I can talk about oh, this no, no, stuff. No, no, like, no, we. Okay. This is so perfect and so amazing. And that's so okay. huge, and it's something that is so simple, right? Because how many times have we been like, mm, I'm just gonna let him feel this a little bit more. <laughs> let me apologize, but I'm gonna give attitude for just a little bit more. Um, yeah, that is really good. Really, really good. Yeah. And you know, when that's more extreme, it's like scorekeeping, or it's also like punishment. So this is, and when you say toxic, it's like, there's toxic, like, like big T toxic, and then there's kind of little T toxic, right? So like punishment is like a little T toxic, like I'm going to make you pay for how you made me feel, right? Big T toxic are things like violence, right? So that's the thing, like we never accept violence ever. Like whenever I see a relationship where people are in physical danger, I always recommend that they end it or take time apart. Um, but there can be other like violence things that we maybe don't think about, like in a relationship that's high conflict with a lot of fighting, you might start, you grab someone's phone and throw it across the room, Maybe you throw the remote at them. Maybe you rip their book apart. Maybe you kick the wall. Like these are all violence behaviors that create a lot of, you know, danger in the relationship, right? So there's that. Then there's other some other big T toxic things like you know affairs, betrayal, addiction, um, gaslighting, withholding your affection. I see that as a big T toxic, like you, like you're going to, you're going to really punish your partner by not having sex with them, by not telling them that you love them, you know, by, uh, you know, like not giving, not saying thank you, that kind of stuff. Wow. 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 So I wonder with the couples that you counsel over the years, mm -hmm. what has been the most common thing 
that you see couples coming to you uh, for? Yeah. So, you know, I, it's, it's such an interesting question. I mean, there, there are obviously some kind of like topics that most couples argue about, and it tends to be like work, like the way one person works versus the other person, how much time they spend at work, their commitment to work, or sometimes their lack of commitment to work, which then speaks about like finances. Like money is sort of the number one issue, which is why I sort of always try to tell my dating people, like, talk about that deeply before you get committed and know that it's likely this person is not going to change. So if you're dating someone who's earning X, they're likely not going to triple that. So if you're hoping that the, you know, the cash cow is going to come in when they become X, stop, because you're just going to be resentful as hell in 10 years when that never happened. You know, you really need to accept that person for how they are. Also, parenting is a, is a big problem. You know, people have different parenting styles and they have to really learn to negotiate those. Um, sometimes it's that they don't feel supported. Um, sometimes there's a lot of difficulty around social media and around sort of like behavior around the phone and technology. Um, it can also just be that couples have learned different behaviors from their families of origin. So maybe like one member of the couple, they always handled things at their home with fighting. Like people always yelled at each other. And it was just sort of like you yelled at each other and then it was done and it was over. And the other person that never happened. So if the first person tries to just go and yell and have a conflict and then assume it's going to be over, the second person is like not used to that. And so they're like super shell-shocked by it. And they're like, I don't know how to handle this. So, you know, so oh, you know, sometimes people have like, they're not having sex, they don't have the passion. And, you know, we talked a little bit about that, like, like almost, you know, having that world outside of your relationship, because what happens when you don't is a lot of times the passion can die because there's no there's nothing else. There's, there's nothing else to bring into the relationship. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love what you said about that because I've thought about that all the time. And there's an analogy of like two cup, two full cups and an empty cup. And like, both of you have to like pour into the whole, like your whole relationship is a whole other entity. Like we think, oh, we come together and like, we're together now, but it's like, it's like, one whole human being, one whole human being, and then this whole other thing called a relationship. And you're both adding things in to that space. And if you're not out in the world and having experiences, what are you bringing? What are you bringing yeah. to the relationship? And that's when, like you said, the resentment comes up where you feel like they're going to fulfill every need or you become codependent on them because you have nothing else going on for you. Um, it just, it's just so easy. That's why I always say, like, I've been single for so long and now finally I'm in a relationship and I still cultivate being single. Like I still act, not act single, like I'm not out there partying or anything, but I still go to my soul cycle classes. I do my Pilates. I spend time with my friends. I go to my gigs. I have my own life. I'm cultivating my own garden and then we have a garden together, but it's not yeah. like, I'm not, yeah. it's a freedom Beautiful. thing too. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we used to live in community. We used to live in villages. You know, for most of our history, we lived in villages. 
and there were many adults for every child, and there were many people to interact with. And now we're living in this world where it's like, you're supposed to get everything you need from one person, and it just doesn't work. Mm -mm. And that's why so many people, we, you know, can't make it work long-term because there's so much pressure. Yeah. And, and also there needs to be a real commitment to the self-work. You know, there has to be a commitment to working on yourself and working on the relationship. And, yes. you know, you can skate along for a while if you come from a secure home and things are pretty good, but you will eventually run into some roadblock. There could be a death. There could be an unexpected financial issue. You could have a problem with one of your children, you could have a problem with an aging parent, and you are going to need support. And if you are not willing to really do that deep work, it's going to get real uh, you know, real, basically, it, it can, it can be a real challenge, much less those of us that did not come from a good history and need all the help we can get. It's <laughs> so true. Very, we really, true. we really need to commit to it and have a partner mm -hmm. ideally who will commit to their own work as well. Oh, that's what, I what I, well, actually, wow. one of the things I see a lot of is, you know, I want to, I want to work on this, but my partner doesn't. You know, I want to work on myself, but my partner doesn't. And I, you know, I say yeah. you can change the relationship by working on one person right. and you'll only go so far. So great. So, yeah. so great. Yeah. And then speaking of being committed to work on the relationship, let's say yeah. a couple does come to you and they want to be on the road to repair and get back to, you know, you mm -hmm. love fest. The love fest. <laughs> What would you say that road map looks like, or maybe like what is the first step in order for them to pivot in the right direction again? Yeah, so I think it's um, it sort of has to be like top down and bottom up. And the, the top down part is the education about what are they doing, where do they need to go, why are they doing the behaviors they're doing, and how do they want to shift? And then the bottom up is getting like really more connected to their feelings, how they feel in their body and where some of that pain is living and really work somatically to work through some of the pain from their lives, which is what they're playing out in their relationships and, and get to a place of being able to feel more secure. So, you know, and then particularly there are some things that, that I think is always helpful for couples who are, you know, trying new things. It's like just at every day, once a day, maybe at the end of the day, spend 20 minutes together uninterrupted with, you know, set a timer, 10 minutes each. And for 10 minutes, one person just shares. You just share whatever's on your mind, whatever you're feeling, whatever you experience. And the other person's job is just to listen, to like acknowledge to explicitly show their attention, their approval, their acceptance, and then you switch. And, and you don't interrupt them. You don't tell them what you think they should do. You just are there as a loving, you know, sort of a, a receiving, just a loving receiving presence for them. And so beautiful. Yeah, so that's sort of one of the the first steps of of really reconnecting. I also like this um, 
this concept that uh, Terry Real created, which is called the CNI, which is the core negative image. And what he says is that we all have a core negative image of our partner. It may be that they're lazy, maybe they're bossy, they're controlling, that, that there's a part of us that sort of hates them at times and that that's okay because we have this like negative image that's in there from some of the stuff they've done. So there is a little bit of truth to it, but not how it blows up in our mind. So usually by the time a couple comes to me, so by the way, usually couples that come to me are not, did not come from secure homes, which is why they're, they're struggling as much, unless it's like something little that we work out, you know, pretty quickly. And then they, you know, they've gone pretty far where they have these core negative images of each other. So I tell them like, make a list of what your partner can do to challenge that image. So like you talked about taking garbage out. So let's say you had a partner who you had this sort of like complaint, like, God, they're so lazy. Taking the garbage out would be something that would challenge that image. So whereas you saying, oh, honey, it's garbage night, and them saying, whatever, I'll do it later. And then the next morning you having to say, um, the truck is going to be here in like an hour. And then being like, I told you I would do it. So that is reinforcing the core negative image. And a lot of times couples are reinforcing the other one's negative image without realizing it. So they need to get clear mm. on what they do that reinforces that image and what they can do to challenge it. So it's like in that scenario, the best news is the, the, the partner who has the lazy image can say, hey, you said you were going to take out the garbage last night and you didn't. And the other person can say, you know what, you're right. I didn't, I said I would, and I didn't. Sorry about that. I'll do it now. That is the quickest way to bust that core negative image and to really create the, you know, the, the strength of the relationships. These are some of the things that we, that we, that I start with people on pretty quickly. Ooh. Oh my God. I could literally like, this is so, I literally want to talk to you for hours. <laughs> I, I, know, like, I can, I can go amazing. on. And you've given us so many. Two. Yeah. We might have to do a part two on this because we still didn't get through all our questions. And this is like the longest time we've had with a guest. Um, okay. But honestly, Rose, I don't stop talking. I, but you are giving away so many gems and it's making me realize so many things. Like I can't wait to go do half of what you've said with my boyfriend tonight. Like I just, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm just going to love all up on him tonight. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, we were just going to wrap this up. So, yes. um, we just so appreciate you have like being on the show and sharing all of your wonderful knowledge with us. So where can everyone find you if they want to book a session with you or check out your Instagram? Yeah. So my Instagram is at awakening relationships because that's the method that I created to work with individuals and couples. It's called awakening relationships. So that's my Instagram. And then you can also find me on my website. I do offer a complimentary consult for 45 minutes that you will leave with tools that you can use right away. And um, yeah, I have a few spots. And I also have an attachment group starting for people in relationship for women. So Ooh. if you're interested in that, you can reach out to me 
on Instagram or on my website and let me know. Um, it's going to be a few groups and a few of them are full and they're limited uh, to 10 so that we can really Yay. dig in with some individual teaching and learning. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Come this on. is amazing. Come this on. This has been Come so on. fun. This is Thank amazing. <laughs> I can Thank only imagine. And this was for free. So imagine when you're paying her <laughs> what you would get. I mean, yeah. It's just this is I mean, I love so this eye stuff. opening. And um, you know, Chris and I, we bring you guys benefits every single week. You want to be breaking those cycles. None of us came from secure uh childhood homes. Oh, I'm saying didn't see it. My childhood was like an after school mm -hmm. special. Okay. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, let's break the cycle. We can work on ourselves. We can have our kids see a better example and so on and so forth. I think mm -hmm. it's really, really beautiful. And we really appreciate you being on tonight's show, Rose. Thank so you great. so much. Rose, everyone. Awesome to be here. Rose. Come back for more Thanks, benefits. Thanks, ladies. Friends with benefits. Bye.